Open your Bible to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, let's begin reading in verse 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, them he justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son... But delivering him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? There's that word again, things. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that can condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword, as it is written? For thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sleep, as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I wanted to primarily look there in verse 37, where it says, We are more than conquerors. Through him that loved us. In all these things, whatever thing it is, all things work together for good. To them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. And they, in all these things, whatever the thing is, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. It doesn't just say we are conquerors which we are, we are more than conquerors. It means more exceeding conquerors. It means over overcomers is what that word means. Over and above conquering. They have above overcome his people, his elect. We know who he's talking about in this context. And they are better for it. They didn't just conquer whatever thing God allowed to come. They are better for it. As Jimmy read, and I'm glad he did, God chastens his children. 
we chasing our children cause we sometimes they just get on our nerves. For our it says for our pleasure. That's what it said. But you know why he chastens us? For our profit that we may learn. And whatever he sends, whatever he sends, whatever thing it is, he sends it and we're better for it. We not only conquer it by his grace, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. In another place it could be read in Second Corinthians 4.17, for our light affliction, and they're just light. As Jimmy read, we've not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. It's not cost us to shed our blood yet because we were standing against sin. Our light affliction, which is but for a moment, it worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Why does God send these things? All things work together for good, our eternal good and for his glory. The phrase more than conquer seems to imply that it is more than a mere victory which the believer gains. Whatever Christ conquered for us can never be lost. Do you remember that? He doesn't gain something or take something or conquer something, then somebody come along and take it back from Oh, no. He conquered it. He came to this world on purpose. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It's God that justifies. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died. Who can separate us from the love of God? Who or what can separate us from the love of God? Nothing. Nothing. All for whom he died, he's going to save. I think what Joe told me a couple weeks ago, he said, you know, years ago he had a cast put on and, you know, when people had a cast, they'd always people signing it. He said this woman signed it, Romans 8, 28a. What he meant by that, what she meant was all things work together for good. That's how most people read it. But all, thing, all things work together for good to them. Who are the them? To them who are the called according to his purpose. Them that love God. They're called according to his purpose. Our Lord endured the wrath and judgment of God to save his people. And he now makes intercession as we read here. And now lives to make intercession for us. In all these things, there are many things that come against the child of God. We live in a world of sin. We live in a body of sin. As Jimmy prayed, as he go, as we go, get ready to go back into this world that we face, that we must face every day, things. But those things, instead of conquering us, and it's only by grace that they don't. It's only by grace that we are not conquered by all these things. We don't just, we are more than conquerors. Someone said we come through the battle, the battle and we're better for it. It's not just that, you know, somebody just barely wins the battle and 
three-fourths of the troops are slaughtered. Now, he, he won the victory, okay. No, we're more than conquerors. There's not a single one for whom Christ died. Every one of them is going to make it to glory. Every single one of them are more than conquerors. David said, it's good for me that I've been afflicted. And I can tell you this, only grace can say that. It is good for me. Our light afflictions, which are but for a moment, it is good for me, it is good for us that I've been afflicted, and here's the more than conquerors, that I may learn his statutes. That's how we learn them. How? By afflictions. They don't conquer us. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. And he teaches us. Was David a man afflicted? Oh, yes. Did King Saul try to kill him? Oh, yes. Was he banished from the throne by his own son? Oh, yes. Try going through that. It was good for me. It was good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn something. I may learn something of his grace and his mercy. Our God allows these things to come against us to make us not only conquerors over this thing, over these things, but the more our graces are exercised, the more fully they will be developed. David said, what time I am afraid, I will trust the Lord. In afflictions, what are we going to do? We're either going to trust the Lord or we're going to walk around in unbelief. Everyone in here could probably quote Romans 8, 28, but how many times do we not forget it when something bad or something we call happens? And It never changes. God never changes. <laughs> But remember this, when we go through these things, and we will go through them, we are better for it. We are more than conquerors. All the things David went through, none of them ever stopped him. None of them ever hindered him from getting to the throne. I love that story when they were all gathered there in Jesse's house that day, all them other seven brothers, and Samuel's come to anoint a king. And Samuel, God told Samuel, it ain't none of these. It ain't none of these. He said, you got any more sons? Well, we got an old boy out there watching a few sheep. We'll go call him. And I could see him probably come in. His hair's probably in a mess. He's probably dirty. And the Lord said, that's him. Did he conquer? How did he conquer it? It's a miracle Saul didn't kill him. It's a miracle Absalom didn't kill him. It's a miracle God didn't kill him when he sinned. How did he, how did he conquer that? More than conquers? I can't explain this, but he was better for it. I can't explain it. But he was more than a conqueror to him that loved him. Love it when Nathan came to him and Nathan said, You're the man, David. David said, I've sinned. You know what Nathan said? You're not going to die. God's put away your sin. God's put away your sin. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Now, he lists seven things here. I want you to notice these things. There in verse, uh, let me find it. 
Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Verse 35, shall tribulation? That means afflictions in general, every kind of trouble. Shall they overcome us? In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. What's that saying, Linda? In this world you're going to have trouble. You're going to have trouble from within, trouble from without. You may have sickness or whatever, whatever trouble it is. And you're more than conquered over tribulation. The word tribulation means threshing. And God's people are often cast into the threshing floor to be beating out by the heavy frail of trouble. Why does he bring, why do you bring the wheat into the threshing floor to beat off the chaff? That chaff served a purpose. What was the purpose of the chaff? To protect the wheat inside the chaff. You know what they did? They, it's the threshing floor. They beat it out. I saw a man one time, it wasn't wheat, but it was peas. They were dried peas, and he put them in a sack and just beat the far out of them. You know what he did? He said, I'll show you something. Huh? He went over here and turned the fan on, and he started pouring out the peas and the husks. They were mixed together, but the, the chaff is lighter. I mean, the chaff is lighter, so it blows the chaff away, and the peas fell right on a piece of sheet he laid down. But they were beaten out. You know what happened to the wheat? It didn't destroy it. It's better off for it. <laughs> the chaff served its purpose. But when the chaff was done, he just blows it away. But it, it, it sir, all these things, now think about this. All these things in the world are nothing but chaff for God's people. Chaff. We think they harm us. We think they afflict us. But oh, they don't. They serve God's purpose. Every one of them serves God's purpose. And when he's done with them, he'll just blow the chaff away. You know what's left? The wheat. The life. The pure wheat is separated from that which was of no benefit to it. Tribulations don't separate us from the love of God. They come because of the love of God. Jimmy, I'm so glad you read that scripture. If you be without chastisement, you are, and this is strong words, he said, you are a bastard and not sons. And we know what that word bastard is. It's a child who doesn't have a father. He's born out of wedlock. You're not one of his children. He leaves them alone, but God's children, he won't. They're more than conquerors. But they separate us from that which is nothing but chaff, dry and lifeless. You know what we all have? We have a lot of chaff. Chaff could represent the flesh. Even the flesh serves a purpose. The old man's going to serve the you man. That chaff did serve the wheat. It served the wheat. That was its purpose. But when it served its purpose, it was done. The chaff did not consume the wheat. Then the next one, tribulation or distress. Mental distress. 
because we're in such difficulties, critical situations. How did I wind up here? How am I going to get out of this mess? Can you imagine David? We could do, use David as illustrations all morning long. He's down there with the enemy, with the Pharisees, and he's letting his, his, his spittle just run down on his beard. He's acting like a wild man. He's acting like he's crazy. How'd he wind up here? He's looking for a place of rest. He's tired of running from King Saul. He was saying, how am I going to get out of this? Well, it, it seems good to me. We'll go down here to the Philistines and live for a while. It means the perplexity in which we are when we're under pressure or trouble and we see no way of deliverance, no way of escape. That's distress. The word denotes a narrow place in which we are so much pressed or straightened that we know not where to go or turn, which ex expresses the condition of the believer when he is not only oppressed, but reduced to extremity. The psalmist said, I called upon the Lord in distress. The Lord answered me and set me in a large place. You know why you called on him? He's in distress. Did you call on him before you were in distress? When we get in distress, we go, and we know who got us in this mess. We did. But an illustration I thought of this, somebody being in distress, hemmed in and pressed in, was the children of Israel when they were at the Red Sea. God didn't take them the short way around. Because if he had, they would have had to have fought. And they're not, they've been slaves for years. They're not, they're not, they don't know how to use a sword. And God leads them right up here to the Red Sea. And then he allows Pharaoh, to, God hardens his heart and Pharaoh hardens it. And he said, what did I do in letting those people live? I'm going to go get every one of them. We're going to take the best chariots we got, the best chariot men. We're going after them and we're going to bring them back. And they come up right against them. And that's as far as they can come. God said, you can come as far and no further. And God made them stand there all night long. And the, that cloud separated between God and his people and Pharaoh. And you imagine, God says, stand still. Now you stand still. You're in distress. What are we going to do? We can't go through the Red Sea. We can't fight Pharaoh. What are we going to do? You're in distress. And God's answer is stand still. Stand still. We won't do something. And he said, stand still, and you'll see the salvation of the Lord. The next morning, God opened that Red Sea. And what they were doing, they're more than conquerors. <laughs> How can they conquer that army? They don't have to. And you know what? They're going to be better for it on the other side. Because God's going to harden Pharaoh's heart and he's going to pull up that cloud. And he said, go ahead. And he drowns every one of them. And they're standing there on the shore of the Red Sea. And then the men are just floating everywhere. Wow. We're more than conquerors. <laughs> Through him that loved us. But you see, they was in distress. And sometimes we are there. Third, Persecution. This is affliction for the profession of the gospel. 
the persecuted often being pursued and constrained to flee from place to place as the Lord was carried into Egypt when Herod sought to kill him. As we saw in the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake. I read a message last night from uh, Brother uh, Spurgeon along these lines. And it was pretty convicting. You know, we're not out here just to try to get persecution. Some people just love it. It comes because the world hates us. They don't seem to persecute us much, do they? When, when was the last time they slandered you? When was the last time they, they said something about you and put it in the paper? When? A lot of Lord's people, Lord's people did. Go back and read church history. I know some of you do know history. It was a bloody mess. When did they persecute him? But you know what? They were overcomers. You said they didn't survive. Some burned at the stake. So it talked about one, that they burned him from his waist down. Just want, just wanting to watch him suffer. They'd take him into the arena and not let the animals eat for several days. And they'd raise the gates and turn the lines and the bears on the Christians. they just laugh about it. That's afflictions. That's persecution. Why? Because they would not deny Jesus Christ as Lord. And they were hated. Like he read, you've not yet resisted unto blood. But like I'm come and say, Brady, we're going to get you. We've heard you talk about that Jesus of Nazareth, that Jesus that he's Lord, that he's sovereign, ruler over, and you're going to have to be quiet about that. You know what I believe? says, I can't. I can't. For theirs is the kingdom. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. That's hard to do. That's hard to take. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they were the prophets that were before you, and they always have, and they always will. I heard someone say years ago, you know, everybody talks about Spurgeon, everybody likes Spurgeon. Now, they didn't love him when he lived. They love dead prophets, they just hate living prophets. Because now they make shrines to them, to Martin Luther and all those men. But I think they used to take Spurgeon's head and put it on a dog. You know, put it in the paper. Because they said, you know, he's nothing. We're going to persecute him. We're gonna... It's like a dog hunting something. Persecution. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. What am I saying? Is more than conquerors when we are persecuted. We're better for it. We're better for it. Like I said, it ain't like that we're going to try to be martyrs. We're not going out here. You know, we can be persecuted for our own faults. I understand that. But this word, they were persecuted for his namesake. Then he says, famine. When Paul wrote this, by the inspiration of the Spirit, Many believers were banished and carried to places where they could not work to earn 
their own bread. You imagine, Danny, somebody come and get you. They say, we're going to take you away from your farm. We're taking your farm. And we're going to take you out here somewhere where there is no farm. They don't need any welding done, Danny. Now what are you going to do? How are you going to take care of you and Kathy and your family? Eventually you're going to get hungry. These people literally got hungry. They, they thought we'd just starve you out. If we'd all be honest, I can't tell you last time I was hungry. We eat because we love to eat. Most of the time, we don't eat because we get hungry. But they were, now I know there's a famine for the word of God. I understand that. But this was a literal famine. Let me tell you something. I want to stone you to think with me. I know it's, you know, we, we see people on TV, those little black children, whatever you want to call them, and in Africa or wherever it is, some third world country, and there's famine, they're starving to death. Why is that not us? Where are they going to get their next meal? I know David said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or ever seen them begging bread. But these people went through famines, and they were more than conquerors. They suffered the loss of all their goods. And they did not know where to find the necessary things for their body, even like food. God provides for his people. When Elijah prayed and it didn't rain for three and a half years, you know what happened? A famine. Who sent the famine? God sent the famine. But you know what I mean? How did, how did, how did Elijah conquer it? God said, you go up there by a brook. And you can drink water from that brook. And I'm going to send a raven, which a which is an animal that eats animals, not that doesn't usually carry an animal to somebody else. And them animals, and those ravens are going to bring you food every day. Or Elijah, you'll starve. Well, one day, eventually, the brook dries up. What happens when the brook dries up? And the brook can mean many things. When the brook dries up, you've got to leave. He's got to leave. Well, where's he going? God said, I want you to go to a place called Zarephath. And you know what Zarephath was? Remember Jezebel? She's that wicked queen that's sitting on the throne. That's where she was from. <laughs> you talking about God's humor? <laughs> He's going to send his servant right where this woman came from. And God says, I have provided a widow woman to sustain you. And she, when he gets her, she's got a little bit of meal. And I can see her, she's going to take that meal, and she's going to take her some oil and water, whatever she's going to make her, like a, a cake of cornbread, and that's all they have to eat. And Elijah said, you go make mine first. And the barrel never went empty, and the cruise of oil never went out. God provided for them in the midst of a famine. But you know what God did while Elijah was in that house? Her, her son died. And God raised him from the dead. You know what? He was more than a con- even in the famine. But I want you to see this. If there'd never been a famine, he may have never come to her house. You see why? All things. Where's Elijah at? God's providing him at a widow's house. A poor old widow. 
not some king's palace. What are we going to eat tomorrow? The Lord will take care of us. The barrel won't never go empty. It may never get full, but it ain't going empty. For the three and a half years, famine. I'd say if men were hungry, they'd be seeking God for something to eat. We're going to look next week at the model prayer. What does it say? Give us this day our daily bread. Then the fifth thing, famine and in nakedness. The disciples had often been reduced to poverty, stripped by their enemies and obliged to wander naked in the desert to hide themselves. They said they would do it on purpose just to humiliate them. Or if they had clothes, eventually they're going to wear out. Here's what it says in Hebrews chapter 11, just the chapter right before where uh, Jimmy began to read. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings. Yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sown asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins. Why sheepskins and goatskins? All they could get. Being destitute, afflicted, tormented. You listen to this, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these having obtained a good report through faith. Said, where are you going to live? Well, like David did. Where did David have to live? In the cave of Dullam. Dark, damp place. They're more than conquerors through that, yeah. How could anybody conquer that? Because he did. And then perils. This refers to dangers to which the Lord's people are exposed to many dangers. Here's what Paul said in 2 Corinthians eleven twenty four: Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. Twice was I beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Once I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I was in the deep. In journeys often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the heathen, in perils in the city, perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren. That's a bunch of perils. Well, how do you overcome it? You think, I think there's seven things that are listed that he, he said perils. He, he had went through these, and we go through them. Why? How can we more, more than conquer? And we're better for it. You know what the Lord does? Here's one thing I know he does. He weans us from this world. Who are we going to get our next bread? It's him that gives us the bread. It's him that watches over us. And in the last one, sword. <laughs> This means when violence is carried to the extreme, it is persecution which stops not with smaller injuries but afflicts even unto death. James was killed, the first martyr by the sword. For Christ's sake, we're killed all the day long. Did you hear that? We are accounted 
as sheep to the slaughter. You think about where we live. We are, as his elect, we are his sheep, right in the midst of wolves. And there's dangers, there's wolves, there's lions, there's bears, spiritual things all around us. And we're more than conquerors. All these things that I've just mentioned, these seven things that God mentioned, we are more than conquerors. What an encouragement. Like, like I said, just when, if somebody, you get down and you forget Romans 8, 20, and they just remind you, now you remember this. We know that all things. How do we know that? We've been through some things. This is not hearsay. He knows what we need. Listen, no grain of grace shall ever perish in the winnowing. Not a particle of faith shall be consumed in the refining. We lose nothing, we gain everything. In the battle, every grace of the Spirit is matured. Faith is strengthened. We go from one battle to more vicious battles. Our weakness has taught us where our strength lies, not in ourselves. Our necessities have made us better acquainted with Christ in his fullness. How do we conquer these things? Through him that loved us. He says, who's going to separate us from the love of Christ? Who can separate us? You know how this chapter begins? There's no condemnation and there's no separation. Who can separate you? If you could, you would. But nothing can. When through fiery trials thy pathway shall lie, my grace all sufficient shall be thy supply. The flame shall not hurt thee. I only design the dross to consume and the gold to refine. This is a victory which is won even while we are in the midst of strife. It's not that we shall be conquerors in some far-off land when the noise of the battle is ceased. We're more than conquerors in the midst of the battle. Martin Luther knew something of this. And through and though this world with devils filled, should threaten to undo us. We will not fear, for God hath willed his truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him. His rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. One little word shall fail him. Then Paul says that he is fully persuaded, neither death, and we could spend all day on these things, that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of Christ, which is in Christ Jesus. Our Lord.
You know, he teaches us to be thankful for whatever he sends. And if it causes us to trust him more and to rest in him more, it was good for us. We're better for it. And you know what? Like I said, he knows what we need. He knows what we need, and he knows what his people need. He, know, he knows what to have, bring about to save his people. Like I said about Elijah, he let a famine come. I wonder if he let that famine come just to save that one widow. I know he saved her. God says, I've chose me a widow woman to take care of you. And when then, when it was time, God sent the rain. You know why he did that? To show them and to show this world 